On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we are making our week number 11 picks in the NFL. Hard to believe it is already week number 11. The NFL season absolutely flies by. We've also got an interesting little conversation to start off the episode where Hughes and I take a peek at what could be a first round matchup of the college football playoff. Can Hughes' Michigan Wolverines really score against the Georgia Bulldogs? We shall see what happens as the college football season kind of winds towards the playoff. Plus, our insider, Coulter, makes history as he picks a team as his key pick for the very first time on this show. I'll give you guys a spoiler alert. It's a team and a coach that he has been ragging on. You do not want to miss that key pick. So stay tuned for episode 119 of Double Down Trend. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I'm your co-host, as always. Joining us tonight, our NFL insider, Coulter. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. I uh, finally think I found my stride here as we turned uh, the calendar over to November. feel a little bit better, getting a little bit more sounder on my picks, um, you know, did fairly well yes the last week in the pool and then both with uh my bets so i'm liking it it's you know what's the sad part though is now we're week 11 is that's like we're we're facing like the back half of our lives <laughs> it's unbelievable how fast the nfl season goes i mean it just flies by like and you got the rhythms of the season so it's you know sunday monday make it through tuesday wednesday and then you got thursday but that also lends itself to making a really fast football season so it goes by too quickly we've also got our Patriots expert living in Philly, Bill Hughes. How you doing, bud? What's up, boys? Good to be with you. Uh, after a little bit of a hiatus, we had a bye week. Everybody needs a bye week. Um, and we're back at it. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what has been a very interesting run the last couple of weeks um, with some of these picks, some of these teams. We've really seen some teams rise. We've seen some teams wake up. Um, you know, and, and we've seen some teams fall off, like maybe some pretenders that were out there. So I'm excited to talk about all of it. Absolutely. Your boys riding high. We'll get to the paths. I got to let you guys know about this heater that I currently am riding. Cause as you said, Hughes, we took the week off. We needed to recharge the batteries and I was down. I mean, my picks in this pool just been absolutely atrocious. I was in 24th of, I think 32 people just awful. Thursday night, what happens? I lose the pick. I pick the Ravens. I get it wrong. I'm thinking this is more of the same. Here we go. Well, let me fast forward you to Saturday. I bet on the Georgia Bulldogs. And we're going to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs because we've got some fun conversations we've been having via text. I bet the minus 20 and a half to start the game. Eh, They started a little slow, but then they started showing their dominance. And I had a Mr. Model middle special. Okay. In the middle of the game, I'm looking at this. I'm going, Tennessee. In those fancy black uniforms are now getting, I think, 28 and a half points or 30 and a half points was the live line. I middled and hit them both. So I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Here's a little start of something good. What happens on Sunday? 
I had the best Sunday I've ever had in my life. I went 11 and one against the spread. I don't know how that's possible. Imagine putting out a parlay on that. It's asinine. What would have happened? So it continues. I win my Monday night pick. So now it's Tuesday night. Let me tell you guys what happened last night. The wife and I, we said, you know what? My mother-in-law's in town. Let's have our first night out without the baby. So we go to the MGM Casino right across the river from us. Nice. We go to the Voltaggio Brothers Steakhouse. We get a beautiful steak. And I get the itch. I say, you know what? Let's let's see what's happening at the craps table. So oh, I sprinkle I sprinkle oh, a little God. here. I hit a couple of field bets. The dice were hot. I walked out with 500 bucks cash in my pocket. So I am on an absolute heater right now. So I want the listeners to know my picks hopefully are continuing. I want the listeners to know how painful it was to hear that story. Just, just missing the feel of the felt. Oh. I mean, I just, there's something about when you're in a casino, I've been in that casino too. At, odd hours uh trying to play blackjack and it didn't go well but at the same time when you're tickling the felt with and the dice are hot and everybody's winning and everybody's excited there's no feeling like in the world it's incredible you can do whatever you want i've said this before it's one of the few games that everybody can win and nobody's bet affects anybody else yep that's why it's glorious it's not like blackjack where someone's like, you stole my fucking card. Yeah. We're all playing to win some money with the hot dice. So I came in rolling, boys, and I feel good. Now, oh, I love it. before we get to NFL, our picks, the paths are hot, we've got some college football to discuss. Now, Bill, yep. why don't you take it away here? Because you are a Michigan fan, oh, diehard. Man. I have been adopted by the Georgia Bulldogs. My wife a Georgia alum. So now I've kind of been riding this train. It's been what, four or five years. I've been hopping on the Georgia train this year. I think they're for real bill. So give me your thoughts on Michigan, Georgia, they're, they're and where we're standing in the college for, football pool. They're definitely for real. Um, the question is, is do they have the offensive firepower to play against anybody that can play defense? They're obviously get that chance against Bama, though. Bama's defense hasn't been like a typical Bama defense. Um, like we had talked about a few minutes ago, like, they don't have anybody uh, that they have to finish out the season with. The interesting one is going to be, again, I, I the Michigan-Michigan State game, if Michigan wins out and somehow doesn't get in, so I think that would be like Michigan State beats Ohio State next week, Michigan beats Ohio State, Michigan State ends up getting into the Big Ten championship, and therefore they're not going to probably take two one-loss Big Ten teams. And if Michigan State wins the Big Ten championship and has beat Michigan, it would be hard to say they're getting in. So anyways, that game may help me for the rest of my life. That being said, it's not been very many times in the Harbaugh era where we've been able to say that we control our own destiny with a shot at the playoff. And I do think if Ohio State, and it makes me ill to root for them, can win this week, it sets up a potential Georgia-Michigan first-round playoff matchup yep. if they can win out. And I will say this. I think that it would be a lot of fun. Now, can Michigan move the ball on that defense? That is to be determined. That's Michigan's the question. Not- Michigan's offenses prided themselves on physicality and running the ball. I don't think a lot of SEC teams actually do that anymore. So I do think it would be a little bit of a dose to to Georgia, but they've got some beasts up front. And I don't think the Georgia offense is that good. No, I don't think that their their offensive lines are decent. Like their quarterback's decent. Like I mean, everybody's good. I mean, I'm not going to take they play at Georgia. But anyways, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think Michigan will give them a hell of a game. Um, but we gotta you know we gotta play the rest of the schedule out and see what happens. Got to get there, but I agree. I think that would make a very intriguing first-round matchup in the playoff. 
I, this is what I'm saying to you, Bill, is I just don't know how Michigan scores and keeps up with the Georgia defense. And I said this in our chat. If I was a handicapper here, I'm putting the team total for Michigan at seven and a half. I mean, are you really scoring more than a tutty against the Georgia defense? I'm just saying they've got the seventh. I, I think it was the seventh scoring defense in the or seventh scoring offense in the country. They have put up points. The quarterback's not super dynamic, but at the same time, like they've just done well to find ways to put the ball um, in the end zone. They have kicked a lot of field goals too. They got a really good kicker. I, again, I don't know. I, like, the, well, first of all, they got. We'll see what they can do against Ohio State. Because yeah. obviously that finally should be a game where you have two teams that are on the precipice of going to the playoff. Both will have one loss. Ohio State's to Oregon, which, again, that Oregon team is not that good. If they get in the playoff, they're going to get beat by 100 by whoever they play. Same with Notre Dame. Notre Dame finds a way to sneak in. They're going to lose by 100, too. They stink. Um, but at the same time, we'll see. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, college football, it's like one of those things. Everybody gets heated about there's not there should be eight teams in the playoff. There should be eight teams in the playoff. I, I completely agree. I'm all for more playoff games. But what you do have in college football, and this is what I think the committee argues every year, is a potential playoff game in Michigan and Ohio state, a potential playoff game in the SEC or not a potential playoff game, an actual okay. playoff game in the SEC championship. And you do have more playoff games at the end of the year in college football. They just are so stupid and take a month off. Like there's yeah. no reason to kill the momentum, like draw this out. Like again, that's why I think there should be more playoff teams. That's why I think they should, they should move the season back a little bit like the NFL season, line it up with after Labor Day and play into December. So there's not a month hiatus between when we're going to see the last game and when we'll see the first playoff game. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's just the worst. First new new year's day tradition, which is great. But then it's like, it sets you up for this. Yeah. You have to have it on. Thursday and then the championship game week later, even two weeks later. And that's what screws it up. Yeah. 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 It's, totally, it's absolutely totally brutal. brutal. And yeah. Colter, you're, you're an impartial decider here in this Georgia, Michigan battle. Where do you fall on this, uh, this one? Oh, I just can't wait for you guys to wager a uh, free Dr. Melfi session on each other's <laughs> cap. Whoever loses gets the free Melfi session on the, uh, the winner's couch. Um, no, but uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to move the ball against Georgia. I've watched Michigan a couple times and to your point, Kaz, I do think that that would be one of the most challenging, um, offenses versus defenses in national championship history. Kind of reminds me of Alabama versus Notre Dame, um, in the blowout one, um, with AJ McCarron, but. Uh, yeah, I, it's tough for me to see how Michigan can score points. But to Hughes's point, it could be an ugly game if they got to play. I, I would definitely love it. I think Georgia and Michigan, I feel like those are just two of the best programs in college football history. They both haven't really shined like in this new uh, iteration of college football. So it would be fun to see them kind of pit off against one another, go SEC versus Big Ten. So, yeah, I'm all for that matchup. I'm actually I'm praying for it. And most importantly, I, I hate I hate Ohio State. Can't stand Urban Meyer and can't stand how much Ohio State is in this damn playoff. I'd much rather watch Alabama and Georgia than Ohio State every damn year in this thing. So I'm definitely pulling for Michigan. Yeah. And let's all agree on one thing. Notre Dame should be banned from the playoff for life. Every time they get in there, they don't deserve it. They get blown the fuck out. It's like, stop putting them in. Yeah. Agreed. Notre Dame watching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see. I, I think it could happen. We'll see how it plays out, but that'll make a fun, uh, fun little debate that we'll have here on Double Down Trent. But looking now to our expertise, the NFL, Bill, let's just start with your team because you have been trumpeting the Pats. And I got to say, hat off. The team looks for real. They just stomped the Browns. 
I think that was a little uh, a little potential like, hey, these are two wild card teams. Maybe now we're looking like maybe the Pats might even make a run at the division. You got to be feeling good, Bill. So I'm going to give you the floor here. Hats off. Give me a little rundown on where you think the Pats are standing as we speak. No, I appreciate that. I mean, again, I think uh, early in the season, I thought that they would have one of the best offensive lines in the, in, in the league. They had some injuries. They had some upheaval. And I think they've solidified how they want to have their offensive line, and they're playing great. One, they've also allowed Mac Jones to get going a little bit in the pass game uh, as, as my second point. And then the third point is this defense, as – as constructed can play really well if they're healthy that they do have guys that can get after the quarterback, which they haven't had as many in the past. I think they've got a few more athletic linebackers that can run a little bit better than some of the guys they've had in the past. And then I think their secondary is always strong as they scheme well and they play well together. And from what I've been reading about them, that's kind of what people have seen is that this defense is playing as a unit. And I think as all bill Belichick teams have gone, the more they can have, again, the do-your-job mentality, don't try and do too much, no hero ball, no extra stuff, just do your job, they'll be able to be in most games. And then on top of that, you add in the way that they've been able to run the ball with multiple running backs, the way that Mac Jones has started to come around, some of the receivers are playing better, um, and then you finally got some tight ends. I think we saw with Hunter Henry, and John who's been out, he'll be back, but you saw with Hunter Henry – the importance of having a tight end in this offense. They always had one the last year, like last year, they did not have a single person that would be an, a, a realistic NFL tight end. They were trotting guys out there that were way out over their head and it just wasn't good. So I think again, it, they just have this ability to, to start to grow together. And I think a lot of things, times they've been derailed is like any team getting derailed with injuries or with whatever else. But I think if they can stay healthy the way that they're coached and the way that they've been playing, they're going to be a formidable out in the playoffs and potentially beyond. Um, I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team. I do think that they have the best coach in the NFL and the way that the AFC is. I think we were talking about this. It's wide open. I mean, it's a 20 horse race. We're, we're hitting the court, the, the mid pole and everybody's in it. It's unbelievable. And I think that's one of the cool things and why 17 games is going to be even more interesting this year. I thought that there'd be more separation. That's not happening in the AFC right now. And there are just a ton of teams that are going to be going after seven spots. And I mean, I saw the in the hunt, like it's like the whole, it's like literally the whole, the whole AFC, I think 14 out of the 16 teams in the AFC have a winning record. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's wide open and it's fun. And I do think the Pats though have just shown that like they can, they can score like they can put, I mean, they put up 40 a couple times this year. And if that happens, look out because they're never going to be a team that gives up a lot of points. Yeah. And you know what? The defense rounding into shape really well. And, you know, you got to give it obviously to Belichick. This is probably one of his best coaching performances ever. I also think you got to give it to McDaniels because he is showing that he can kind of mold that offense to what he's got. We saw them kind of do a little different bully ball last year with Cam and kind of running it down people's throat. Now it looks like they're back to more of a, you know, play action. Let Mac make his checks, make his reads and really let Mac not have to force the ball down the field and, and come from behind in these situations, but really giving him an offense where he can succeed. So man, they're, yeah. they're a better team than I thought. They're only, I think what half game back of the yeah. bills. So yeah, they haven't played the bills yet, which I think is huge too. I mean, I think I they've got two against the bills. Um, and I think that that's obviously going to be a chance for them to either take a significant lead in the division um, or, you know, like be able to even it up and see what their main competition is. I think the bills, in my opinion, are still probably the best team in the AFC. Um, and I think that that's where 
I mean, we saw Kansas City wake up a little bit this week, but um, I think Buffalo scoring defense and offense has been they've taken a few weeks off, but like they've they've been the best all year. Yeah. Coulter, I mean, who would you take if I'm giving you two horses in the AFC East, Bills or Pats? Who are you picking? Uh, I think just Bills. I think the quarterback play is just slightly higher, not to belittle Matt Jones. I think he's done a lot of good things in his rookie year, but I think this has a higher upside. Uh, I really I like Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, more than I, I trust Dable, um, McDaniels as the offensive coordinator in New England. Yeah, the Bills, I mean, look, at they had a bounce-back win. You know, it always feels good playing the Jets. RIP to Mike White's story because, come on, that's just now over as we got the Flacco experience coming back to us. I do, though, I do want to shift it to your team, Coulter, because, man, just when you think they're going to start competing and giving you some hope, they shit the bed, took a massive L against the Eagles. How do you feel about your team after that performance? Um, not much different. I mean, it's time for a new coach, time for a new quarterback. I think we pretty much knew that at the beginning of the year, and, and that game was the indictment game of that. you got to be able to beat Nick Sirianni and, and uh, Gannon if you're Vic Bangio and Pat Shermer. You've been given enough opportunities. Your roster is healthy enough now. Um, you have to win that game at home. It's inexcusable, especially coming off that big win against Dallas. And as you know, Hughes so eloquently pointed out, it's every, anybody's race. This wasn't a game against Pittsburgh or Baltimore, uh, which we've already lost both of those. This is against Philadelphia. This is a cross, uh, you know, interconference uh, game. There's no AFC playoff stakes. Take care of this game at home and don't even think twice about it. And we couldn't even do that. Uh, you know, Bridgewater obviously was offended that he, or I was offended that he missed that tackle. And then he made a bunch of comments Monday. As I told my friend, if he wants to make up for that, um, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, lack of tackling, lack of fortitude. Um, you know, if, if he plays great down the stretch and gets us to the playoffs, that's his redemption for that. So he's got seven games to, to figure that out and to prove to us fans that, you know, that was a blip on the radar. And uh, I'm obviously not too optimistic though. There's too many teams in the AFC at this point. Yeah. Can, can I, can I steal the, uh, can, can I steal the hosting? Game? Can I ask a question about this? Did the Vaughn Miller trade send the wrong message to this team? Well, I mean, they won without Vaughn Miller the previous week. I'm just saying overall, like, I, I mean, it was a, to me for a team and maybe again, maybe he just didn't fit into what they were doing. Chubb was coming back. I don't know, just thought it was an odd time for a team that was definitely in the hunt to potentially trade one of your best players. And I do agree. They, I mean, I don't know what happened in that Dallas game. Like, that's one of those classic, like, NFL games where, like, you could just do a case study on how did this happen? You had a team that just didn't show up kind of. Or was it the fact that Denver was overly motivated on the road? I don't know. Um, obviously, Dallas came out and played well. Um, Hungry Dog runs faster. Um, Denver didn't. But at the same time, I don't know. I just thought it was a weird trade for the timing. Um, given the fact that I didn't feel like they were out of it. I mean, I think there's also the factor, and you experienced it. Um, it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison with Gilmore earlier in the year, though. But, yep. I mean, let's, yep. let's just all pretend to be Belichick here for a second. Let's take away the history of Von Miller in the city of Denver, because we all know that. Let's take away the Super Bowl MVP. And let's just say it's a 31-year-old linebacker who's had two major leg injuries in his career, He's on the backside of his career. He's had two huge surgeries. He's due 
a multi-year contract that's going to be pretty substantial just because of his name recognition. Would Belichick? What would Belichick would not give anything but an A grade to George Patton for getting second and a third for that stock. The only negative to the trade is that we lose a franchise player that the fans love. Other than that, everything was executed well. Um, I think we all know that the, this team is limited, and I think there's enough pass rushing. I think Malik Reed is an underrated pass rusher. They've grown pass rushers before, um, both at the top level with Miller and, and Chubb, and then at the bottom of the draft with Reed and Barrett. So maybe a little organizational hubris with thinking that Malik Reed could be the next Jack Barrett and team him with Chubb. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I would counter that it affected their play because they played the best game in the Vangio era the week that they traded Miller. Um, and then obviously came right back around and, and uh, didn't, but I, I think the bottom line, and I've said this on the podcast enough that I won't waste any more oxygen on it is you get the result. You get this yo-yo result when you don't have an owner Pat had Alzheimer's the year that we won the Super Bowl. He died three years after that. Our ownership has been in court, tied up in lawsuits ever since then. And that's exactly what you get when you have ownership tied up in lawsuits. You get a team that beats Dallas as a nine-point underdog on the road and then returns home and loses a game that should have been a surefire win against a rookie coach who's a complete fucking amateur clown. Uh, (laughs) Yes. And a bad Eagles team. Um, but this is the Broncos. This is no. what happens. No consistency. Top. They made the playoffs 28 out of 35 years with Pat Bowen. When you have consistency, you make it four out of every five years to the playoffs. When you don't, you beat a top six team in the NFL, and then you lose to a bottom eight team the next week. That's the Broncos in a nutshell. And to your point, though, to your point, it's a great point on Belichick. Belichick actually did this with Richard Seymour, um, traded him to uh, the Raiders. Um, I want to say it was – Maybe the year after they won after the first Super Bowl. Super Bowl? Yeah. Maybe it was after the second one. It was right in there for a first-round pick. And um, a similar situation, I think they they felt like they had some young guys at the position. They also felt like, um, you know, he was due a contract, and it's better to move on before the contract than after. I mean, see the uh, Los, the Anaheim Angels and Albert Pools. I mean, you can't pay for past performance when that past performance came on, on another team. Just doesn't make sense, but um, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. I think, I think that uh, you know, again, Vaughn also uh, not only didn't play the first week and then got embarrassed and pancaked by Jet, by Kittle uh, during the game this last week. So the Vaughn train is not riding as as high as it was. I think there's also something to be said too with Miller. He's all, one of my all time favorite Broncos. He's on the Mount Rushmore of players that have ever played for the organization. But there's something about him. I've always felt this way. And I think he's a really cool guy. He's like really into chickens and science and all this other eclectic shit. And like, that's great. But there's always been, even when we won the Super Bowl, when we were the most dominant defense in the league for two years running, there was always this attitude that stemmed from him that I felt that the locker room didn't just care about football. And that's what the difference is between a Belichick run organization and whatever we're running is that the only thing that those guys care about is football. And that's why they have the edges over these other teams. And the re- I, I honestly do feel this and it's stupid. I feel like the reason why we don't have those small edges in the last five years since Manning left is because Miller's been the face of the franchise. And again, it's great that he has all this other eclectic shit that he's interested in. But when it's week one to week 17, there's only one thing that you should really truly give a shit about and it's ball. 
And I don't know if that was necessarily there all the time. I, I can't really speak to it. I'm not in the organization, but I did feel that as a fan. And that's, again, that's what you get with the inconsistent. This yo-yo shit that just happened the last two weeks, that's been happening with the Broncos for the last five years since Manning left. And Bond was the captain. So, I mean, he had, he played a role in that up and down uh, nature all the time. I, I can make you feel better because the Giants the last five years have started one and seven or two and six every year. So that's not quite a yo-yo. That's just calling dropping an anchor down the bottom of their fucking barrel. <laughs> now, now September. Yeah, exactly. We don't come out the gates. Well, fortunately they're on a bye this week. It was past week. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about stressing over the giants. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this week with my theory. I think we've discussed this Tom Brady after his bedtime. What's going to happen. I don't want to spoil anything, but Let's go ahead. Let's jump in to our week number 11 picks. Let's start with you, Coulter. Why don't you give us your first pick of the week? Sure. Yeah, we kind of uh, almost touched on this in the preamble here. I'm going to go against Buffalo. I'm going to take Colts plus seven and a half. Um, Indianapolis did not cover last week. Buffalo did, which I absolutely love. Um, as I've shared with you guys, I think this is like above 70% trend this year. Um, and it was three and one last week. So I love that. I think the Indy D line can take advantage of Buffalo's banged up O line. Their left guard has been out. He's been put on IR. And ever since he went on the IR before the Jacksonville game, uh, Buffalo hasn't looked the same. I think it's too many points for two teams that are uh, more similar than different. Maybe I'm wrong about Frank Reich, but I haven't pegged in the top dozen or Baker's dozen of coaches in the NFL. So giving him seven and a half on the road and a must win spot, I feel like is a little too much. Um, Wentz on the road is by far and away my least favorite part of this handicap inside. Um, so then you might be wondering, why am I bringing it up here as a pro? Uh, because I actually think it's such a con for every other better in America that they're going to find themselves on Saturday, Sunday with two choices, a big number in the Bills or the points in Carson Wentz, and they're going to take the large number in Buffalo. I'm going to actually take the seven in the hook. Colts are alive. They won't go down easy. I'm not asking Indy to win. I'm just asking them to cover. Come on, boys. Let's crossfire. I know someone's going to bet. Hughes, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I'll crossfire. Um, I, I, I had a little title that was myself that we would be betting on <laughs> No, and this is the classic game I've gotten wrong all year. So, like, I think your 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 arguments are all sound. My argument is simply that I think that we haven't seen the best of the Bills in the last, say, three weeks. I do not like the Colts outside in the elements. I think I did just um, look up the weather in Buffalo for Sunday. Sixty percent chance of precipitation. Forty-six well, degrees. Why? I love. Why don't I love you like them in the? They played their last January in a playoff game, and they lost by three points and covered a spread. Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz played in North Dakota softest. in college. Jonathan Taylor played in Wisconsin. They played in the dome. Guys all played outside in dome. college. Dome. <laughs> they played in the dome, uh, North Dakota State. Uh, the, what are you talking that about? That be, they do. They have, a, they have this weird dome. you got to look it up. It's crazy. They got played in like a bandbox. Um, but you have to admit that he plays every other game outside sure. besides his Again, he played for Philly, too. No, he plays, he's played yeah. outside. I just think he's soft. I think he's soft. I think Carson I, Wentz is soft. And so, therefore, right. I'm taking – I think he's going to be huddled up in the corner, like <laughs> rubbing his hands, throwing the ball into the third fucking row. I love this. I mean, again, I'm not saying you're going to be wrong. I mean, you're, bit, you're probably going to be right. I've been these – the, these are the sucker trap games that I've been all over all year. And, yeah, it's probably Buffalo by three, kick a field goal to win it, take 10 knees and just move on. But I'm on it. I'm with you. Crossfire. Let's ride. 
A beautiful crossfire action. Uh, I am with Coulter. I'm not going to take the crossfire action. I'll let you two duke this one out. But Coulter, you stole the, the argument that I was going to make here. Is we saw this indie team, which is very similar besides Rivers and Wentz, go in there in a playoff game and keep it very close. Now, Wentz is the major wild card. What did we see against the Titans a couple of weeks ago? Just terrible turnovers, terrible decisions. So that always makes you worry. Um, but I do think they keep this game a little close. Their defense is pretty solid. I can see them limiting the run game, making Josh Allen check down. Go ahead, Bill. I mean, I'm not trying to get upset about this. Indy's defense is not solid. They stink. They gave up like a billion yards. I actually just looked this up. But Bills are on average giving up 84 rushing yards a game, league average 112. Indy is their number one thing is running the ball. Obviously, they, I think, are top in the league in terms of rushing yards per game, 136. I think that that's their only option, and they can't do that against Buffalo. And I think the Indy defense is way overrated. I, I mean, I like what's his name, the linebacker, but everybody else kind of stinks. Okay, fair enough. I think the hook is enough to take this one here. So a lot of juice on our first pick. I love it, boys. Let's go, baby. Let's go. All right, Hughes, give us your first pick. Oh, boy. Well, this one's probably going to get crossfired because this pick doesn't make any sense, right? It makes no sense. Carolina, minus three and a half at home against the football team. Why am I taking this? Because the football team's coming off a big win. They have absolutely no idea how to play after that. They lost their best defensive player. Right, they want yeah, yeah. They lost their best defensive player, um, and I think I'm not I'm not trying to ride Cam Newton here. I think Carolina has figured out that the, they only have one way to play football. They need to run the ball almost every play, whether it's with the quarterback, whether it's with McCaffrey. I think that opens up so many other things, and I think Carolina. And again, this line to me makes no sense. So I'm taking Carolina minus three and a half. That's my first pick. All right, Colter, what do you think? Yeah, there's not a chance I'm going to crossfire here. I love and This was one of my favorite picks, actually, of the week. Um, they just crapped all over uh, one of the best teams. I know they had their backup quarterback, but this is an Arizona roster that's pretty good, right? I mean, they, yep. they'd be beating up on teams left and right. Forget about Kyler Murray for a second. Carolina just took that great roster to the tool shed. Uh, and Washington football is anything but that. If you think that there's a revenge factor uh, for Ron Rivera, what about the Cam Newton uh, revenge factor and slash all these other guys that used to play for him? Carolina's young and, and hungry on defense. They're going to just absolutely thrash the Washington offensive line, which I think is highly overrated. I just Washington is missing now Chase Young and the other defensive end. They have no pass rush on, on Newton. And I think that actually might be the most important thing here. Cam Newton historically is really troubled when you can beat him interior. Everybody has that image of Miller strip sack him in the Super Bowl. Wrong. Who was the game MVP that day? It was actually Malik Jackson providing pass rush interior. I just don't see them having a lot of edge rush and a lot of interior rush because they're so lopsided with the injuries. I think Newton has plenty of time. There's absolutely no pass rush. I think he has all the time in the pocket. I think he can run out even if they do get to him. And I think another thing, Hughes, uh, I don't know if you just mentioned this or not, but the red zone offense, it's going to be tough to keep Cam and McCaffrey out of the end zone. I see touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, 35-13, 35-16. The minute Washington kicks a field goal in this game, they're going to lose. I think Carolina's really, they're going to just, they're going to do exactly what they did to Arizona last week. I think they're going to get to 30, 
And why, there's no way Washington can get to 30 on Carolina's defense. So this is one of my best plays of the week. I love Carolina. I am crossfiring this pick, baby. Put it bring down. It, bring it home, please. I'll take oh, both Are we? Is this the same Panthers team that we saw for like three, four weeks just suck? They got, they got Arizona at the exact right time. They switched it up. They had Cam on the goal line. They didn't know what they were to prepare for, and they got a little sneaky there. This team sucks, okay? I watched the Giants beat the shit out of them. Their offense is brutal. I know they've gotten Christian McCaffrey back, and I know that changes things, but that team sucks, okay? And what did we just see? The football team take it to Tom Brady and the Bucks, who everyone is saying is one of the best teams in the NFC, took it to them. Cam Newton? We're getting excited about Cam Newton? Is this 2012? Is this 2014? I forget because I don't know. Maybe I maybe I've been not paying attention for the past couple of weeks here. Bill, he was on your team last year and just was awful for most of the season. Uh, so you're this is what I'm saying, though. The Washington defense stinks. They're giving up 380 yards almost a game. They give up their rushing defense is OK, but they're giving up 280 through the air. I get that they just beat Tom Brady in the Bucks, but that Tom Brady Bucks team is in a funk. And that's because they're waiting for the playoffs. And this happens every – it happened to the Chiefs. It's happened to a lot of teams. They're just sitting there like, we got to really go to fucking play Washington. Like, are you guys serious? Like, just can we just fast forward to the playoffs and let these games start to matter? And, again, that's not the best mentality. But at the same time, like, they clearly sleep, slept walk through that game. And I agree. Coulter said something very interesting. Ron Rivera revenge factor. Guess what? Ron Rivera's not playing in the game, and so therefore I would absolutely, to Coulter's point, take the guys that will be playing in the game that are on Carolina, who he bailed on, and I would say, well, I wouldn't say he bailed on, but at the same time, I think that this game absolutely goes Carolina's way. Um, I love it. If McCaffrey's healthy, they are dynamic duo, him and Newton, um, way better than, and again, you might see some P.J. Walker, too. Could see a little bit of everything. Yeah. I also one one more thing, and this means absolutely nothing. There's no handicapping. So the gamblers who are listening, you can just tune off. But directionally speaking, I think these are two franchises that are literally couldn't be like from a um image standpoint. Carolina has a new wealthy billion dollar owner who's like the fanciest new owner in the league. Washington has the worst owner in the league. He's been completely just suffocated with controversy over the last 18 months. Washington is an organization that's trending down in so many different ways. I think they're going to get clean house with their coordinators and get a new OC and DC, and they're trying to force their owner out. Meanwhile, the Panthers head coach, offensive coordinator and ownership is new, young. They're there for the long haul. I think Cam gives the whole franchise a rejuvenation. Most importantly, and I don't think we even talked about this. Doesn't Cam Kaz to eat your own uh, handicap for you? The quarterback play with Darnold was so bad and uninspiring. Did the defense quit there in the midseason watching Darnold go up and down the field or not, or lack their own? Yeah. I mean, they're going to be max motivated. All all Carolina has to do is go up 14-3 in this game. The defense will be playing its fucking hearts out. They're going to be going after The uh, defense Heineken. sucks, though. They gave up a 30-something to the Giants. The defense, uh, Again, defense see, this, suck. It's sacked this against is, one of the best offensive lines in football last week. The defense does not suck. They no, do this, suck. This is, a good, this is a good gambling. No, this is a good gambling moment because there are times in every man's life where they see a team play a specific game and that game lives with them forever. And I do think that if you watch that Giants game, there's a good argument to the fact that you'd be like, wow, 
Carolina's the worst team ever. All I'm trying to tell you is their defense currently is giving up 280 yards per game. League average, 352. They're giving up 100 rushing yards a game, but they're giving up 174 passing yards a game. And they just got Gilmore. This defense is not bad. Sam Darnold put them in so many bad spots. I think he actually threw maybe two pick sixes against the Pats, maybe only one. Again, he's awful. Like, you can't play defense behind a bad quarterback. I think that their numbers, as it looks right now, are solid on the defensive side of the football. I think they've gotten their best player back on offense. And if they can find any way to get DJ Moore or uh, – what's his name's hurt still, but, like, um, the guy they drafted – if they can get the ball to DJ Moore, I think they'll be they'll be in a really good spot. I don't know. I I think you're I think you're just putting way too much stock. Terrence, Terrence Marshall Jr. and Bobby Anderson, they're going to carve up the Washington secondary. Don't worry, Hughes. We're going to catch this one up. Yeah, so. Oh yeah, this is a big. This is. Uh, I think this one's already in the bag. I don't even know why they, they might as well I, just not I, even play. I count I count four blue chip guys potentially on Carolina's defense. Shaq Thompson is a potential blue chipper. Jeremy Chin is a really good young corner. I love Hassan Reddick. I think he's talented, and I think the uh, they have great. And that's not even talking about Gilmore, who's a, def- a defensive MVP. I mean, man, come on, you guys are just drunk off of that Cardinals win. That's it. No, yeah, <laughs> they've had some good wins this year, have they? They beat the Jets, the Texans, the Falcons, <laughs> the Cardinals, and the Saints. The Saints that's are the only good win. Uh, again, they're five and five. Not a bad yeah. record. They're they're probably actually the wild card team right now. Yeah, they are right now, but they're gonna. They're, well, you'll see. They're, they're gonna fade down. All right. How how does Washington move the ball on offense if McLaurin is out? They've got a great running game. Ah, their that, running back has a broken. That is. Game. Yeah, he's, he's broken. Their running also, game held good Carolina's offenses. I think All they right. held the Pats. They held the Pats. The Pats have been putting up points on a, a bunch yeah. of people. Um, they held the pass, I think, to under 20 points because I think the defense scored it. I get, like I said, at least once. Right. I get their defense. Other than the Giants game, their defense has given up 10. Uh, whatever I said about the Pats game, if you minus out the, the pick six, 13 to the Falcons, 25 to the Giants, which again is bad. I get that. The Vikings. Um, the Vikings, whatever. I mean, like, I don't know. I like the Eagles. I'm, I'm very excited to watch this game now. This game, it's going to be interesting. We got more juice on it now. That game yeah, was meaningless. Yeah, now we got some reason to watch it. I, I didn't care about it until we hit the floor. Yeah. Like Me too. Now, now it's the game of the week. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let me get to my pick. And let me let me do a little research. Mr. Model will be proud of me. I did a lot of research on this. Oh, here we go. I looked at my picks last week, and I said, how did I go 12-2? and two? What happened here? Let me read you something here. I got my Tony Kornheiser pad out here for you, boys. The favorites this year, if you bet the favorites, the favorites are 61, 86, and 1 against the spread. A whopping 41% winning. Okay? It gets better. Home teams are 64, 83, and 1 for a 43% winning percentage. So what does that tell me? Road dogs. And that's what I did. Both of my picks so far with you boys have been road dogs. I'm going to stick with that as my Little theme of the week here. So my first pick, and this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this because they suck. I'm taking the Houston Texans plus 10 and a half. It's too many points, boys. It's just too many points. Tennessee was a three-point favorite against the Saints. Couldn't cover the three. Now, Saints obviously better than the Texans. This is just too many points, even for a shitty Texans team. They're coming off a bye. We've got Tyrod Taylor. Give him an extra week of practice. Maybe get a little competency in that offense. And last time we saw them, 
They lost to the Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins not a very good team, but I think that defense is rounding into shape. We just saw them take it to the Ravens. So maybe that Houston Texans loss is not that bad. Once they've got a competent quarterback under center, I like it. Ten and a half just seems like too many points to be giving to the, t- uh, the Titans. They've lost a lot of guys on offense. You really tell me you got Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. That's the only two people on their offense you got to worry about. Too many points. Give me the Texans plus ten and a half. What do you think, Hughes? Love it. Uh, I'm on Houston too. Uh, I would love to have an argument for Tennessee, other than the fact that I just think the Tannehill bubble burst to some extent at some point. They like they don't have very much else, like you just said. Um, I think everybody's banged up. Their offensive line's banged up. I just think that this somehow comes crashing down a little bit. That being said, obviously they're a well-coached team. Um, yep. I don't think Houston is a well-coached team in a lot of regards, uh, but at the same time coming off a of bye, I like that pick. I like Houston. I don't think that they win outright, obviously, but I do no. think 10 and a half is just enough points to, to be feel comfortable. What do you think, Coulter? Yeah, I feel like these teams always play pretty close to um, one another. Um I mean, if you were to tell me that Houston take splits with Tennessee, you know, one and one this year, I would, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so yeah, just that alone, I, I'm inclined to take Houston because I feel like they're going to end up splitting the season series as weird as that sounds, even though Tennessee's the best team in Atlanta fell and they're <laughs> Houston's first. Um, but yeah, I mean, your little uh, math thing you just did with the Saints is a really good point because it's like you're you're saying that the Saints with Simeon is a seven point better team than Tyrod Taylor and Houston. Right. Uh, I know that the Saints have a better roster, but I just don't see that as the truth. Um, I think Houston will fight. They're coming out of a bye week. It's a short travel. It's not like they're going across country. And I think the Titans have just gotten up too many times. I mean, how many times have people tweeted this week? Oh, they're five and zero against team for five teams in the playoffs from last year. It's an amazing feat, and kudos to them for making history and, and defying expectations. Um, and it'd be great if they, they lit, you know, Houston aflame too, and just proved us wrong even more, but I'm going to bet against them this week. There's no way I can take uh, Tennessee with that huge number, a bad defense too. I feel like that back door is wide open. Yeah. And I got, I got want to run this out for you guys too. I think this is a classic letdown spot for them. They have just rattled off Tennessee games against, and obviously they, they won all these, but they played the bills, the chiefs, the Colts, the Rams, and the saints. Those are all get up games. And now they say Houston with their one win sitting on their schedule. I can see this being a, a letdown game. So I'm taking the this points there. Quarterback Tyrod Taylor might be the best quarterback they've faced in a month. Yeah. Very, well, I mean, well, Stafford's not playing very good right now. That's true. And Wentz was the last guy they played and they played Mahomes 27, three in the worst game of Mahomes professional career. So, I mean, yeah, it's been a while since they've played a, a quarterback who I would deem as, you know, very good on top of their game. It's going to be interesting. All right, Colter, let's get your key pick of the week. Oh yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Been waiting for this one since the morning. I, I don't think I've ever taken this team as a key pick. I'm going to take the Jaguars plus six and a half, the urban Meyer shocker over Kyle Shanahan, two of our least favorite characters on the pod are going head to head this week. Um, This one's actually quite simple. The one thing the Jags do well is the one thing the Niners want to do, which is run. The Jags are really good at stopping the run. The Niners are only good at doing that on offense. Uh, I'm taking out the coaching disadvantage here, um, which might be my downfall here as I say it out loud to you guys. But there's just too many factors working in my favor to ignore. So why am I on Urban Wire in week 11 of the NFL season? Let's go through it. The Jags are built to beat a limited passing quarterback. 
and a bad offensive line, which San Francisco both has. It's a cross-country travel spot in a short week at 1 p.m. How is that not factored into the line more? I just don't get it. It should be a four-and-a-half line, not six. Uh, San Francisco's injuries are really significant. Debo is a questionable with a chin injury that seems really bad. Mitchell, the leading tailback, has a broken finger, which they're saying he could play with, but good luck with that. And there's more on defense, but I'll spare the listeners. Uh, 49ers over Rams win, as we just kind of alluded to with Stafford, is uh, misconceiving. Um, the team was trending down just two days ago, and now we're almost a seven-point road favorite at 1 p.m. across country. Not to harp on that point a second time, but I mean, my God. They were just – ESPN wrote an article on Monday that said the Niners' season was over before the game kicked off. And now they're a seven-point favorite across the country six days later. Are you kidding me? Um, why, and my question there is why? Just because they beat a divisional foe at home with a limp quarterback? I don't think the Rams were properly priced in that game. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but the Niners have the familiarity factor with them. The bad field at Levi, Stafford's declining health, uh, and the lack of the time that team has had to gel. Um, so I think the Rams were trending all sorts of down in that game. Um and that wasn't adjusted into the line at all. And that was a great spot for San Francisco. And then last but not least, uh, I know I'm the king of these stupid little nuggets, as I did with the Panthers and, and uh, football team a second ago. But this is important. I'm sorry. QB purgatory. Might have a frozen man. He froze. He's in QB purgatory, they might say. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to edit that out. Well, all right. If he comes back, we'll get his uh, his rest of his opinions there, Hughes. But what do you think on his key pick is Jags plus six and a half? So I'm on the Jags here too. Um, again, he, partially for some of the points that he made around the fact that they uh, are that same really San Francisco is coming off of a big win, traveling across country after a Monday night, having to play at one o'clock. Um, and I just think that this line, like it just yeah, it's too many points to a certain degree. Um, that being said, I think Vegas is trying to tell us that San Francisco is going to win by a hundred. So <laughs> it's a fishy line because you just, you think if you're looking at recency bias, you see the Niners destroy the Rams. Why is this not a seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half point spread? That's fishy to me, but I'm, I'm with Coulter. I'm on the Jags here. Um, I just too many entries for the Niners. I had yeah, a no, you're- Skype issue there, guys. Skype no, is, good. is sometimes perfect. the worst. <laughs> you were yeah. quarterback purgatory. I thought we we picked it up, uh, but if you want to if you want to finish out, I mean, yeah. No, Jags know where they're going with their quarterback. Niners don't. I mean, there isn't there a situation that you guys could conceivably talk yourself into where Jimmy G and Lance are somehow both not the Niners quarterback. I I, I just like keep seeing this team as like the ultimate NFL. Like they're screwed. They're so screwed. They have two quarterbacks, a coach who didn't maybe didn't want Lance. They traded all these picks for Lance. He might not be any good. I mean, it is a disaster over there. I'd rather take Urban Meyer and, and Trevor Lawrence in the points, honestly. I don't know if it's a disaster per se, but I, I, I'm with you on the Jags here. We just saw the Jags kind of hang with Indy last week, right? And, and in a way that I thought showed me some life. They ran the ball. They played physical football. This just this number is too weird for me. I think if this was nine, I'm like, yes, definitely. Give me the Jags. But six and a half, this makes you be like, what the hell is Vegas know that we don't? I'm riding Jacksonville on this one here. It just seems like a weird line to me. Same. All right, Hughes. Who is your key pick of the week? 
All right. I went back and forth. Um, I was in and out of the lab. I, I really struggled with this, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles minus one and a half at home against the new Orleans saints. Why? Because again, this makes no sense. I've adopted the th- thought process of if it doesn't make sense, go with the team that makes less sense. And I think in this situation, and not to say that the, the saints have their own problems. I don't think Philly's that good, but I do think for one reason or another that they're going to stay in this game and that they're going to win this game. And then you take the point and a half. Again, I think they, I think that that's not a, not an issue uh, to cover. So I'm going to take my key pick of the week. And this is again, a little bit off the reservation for me. Um, I may switch this key pick to Thursday night. I don't know. And just ride the paths like I've been riding the last couple of weeks. But right now my key pick is the Philadelphia Eagles at home minus one and a half against the New Orleans Saints. Coulter, if I may step in here, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and crossfire you here, Bill. Let's I go. Got the Saints is my key pick of the week. Yeah, so this is a juicy crossfire. This might be a double crossfire. Double, I'm going to have to make it times two. Oh, yeah, this, is, this is double. Uh, it's a twofer. I think you're you're living in Philly. I think it might have saturated your brain here, Bill. I, I don't know what's going on here. I have one of the biggest coaching mismatches of the year here in Peyton versus Sirianni. We had the Saints with Trevor Simeon and no Alvin Kamara almost go into Tennessee and take down the Titans. I think this is a frisky team. They're well coached by Sean Payton. And I've also got some numbers here for you, Bill. How about this? Saints were three and a half point dogs in Tennessee, right? Now they're one and a half point dog in Philly. So with those numbers, is Vegas telling us that Philly is only two points worse than Tennessee? So if those two teams play each other, that Tennessee would only be a two-point favorite against Philly? That doesn't add up here. This is a wonky line to me. And I think the Saints are good. I got a huge, huge coaching mismatch. I'm taking the key pick as the Saints, and we got some juicy action. Coulter, where do you fall on this one? Uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to make you feel worse with the crossfire, cast because I think what you just said is so true. On 99 out of 100 occasions, I'm auto-betting crossfiring Hughes because it's Peyton versus Sirianni. I'm going to hold off. I'm taking the Saints in the in the pool, but I'm not going to crossfire. I They have not played a running quarterback all season, the Saints defense, and I know they're really good against the run, but I wonder if that makes the league's best rushing attack a little bit more vulnerable because they have to defend Hurts and all the running backs that Philadelphia is throwing at them. That's my one uh, real hesitation in this game is I feel like Hurts can really do things to the Saints defense that haven't, hasn't been done to them yet this year. And I also think there's another thing, too, that's going on here. I feel like Philadelphia, um, and I saw it firsthand, they can pin their ears back and blitz the uh, passer pretty successfully. And if they had a lead with that running attack and uh, Simeon has to play from behind, I don't know if I necessarily trust him uh, to find the back door against Philadelphia's um, kind of they're kind of finding themselves on the front seven, at least um, with the blitz schemes there. I, at least they they killed the Broncos on that front. So I'm going to he- hold off. I'm going to take the Saints just because of Sean Payton. I'm not going to I'm not crazy enough to take Nick Sirianni in this spot. But I do want to hesitate just ever so slightly because I do. I could see Hurts having a huge game um, and just kind of tormenting the Saints defense with his feet. You know, Colt, I may correct you on one thing. You said the Saints have not played a running quarterback Put some respect on Danny Dimes' running ability, okay? Oh, God. The man 
can run. Nice. And who and who won the game? Every the Saints won that game. Saints, but this Every is no, no your G men did. You're you're making my point for me. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That was what happens when you get a running quarterback. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from here. The Giants are a better team than the Eagles. Let's be honest. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That Saints game was such a fluke with the Giants. You can't even factor that into anything. Okay, just throw that game out the window. Um, I just have to think the coaching advantage here is so massive that it's it's too much for me to ignore. But I'm also looking at these games recently where the Saints just played the Tennessee Titans. And I think that they have that kind of momentum against going up with this conceived as or perceived as the best team in the AFC to now a Philly team that they should take advantage of. They didn't have Kamara last week. If he comes back, this is a lock for me. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's the other thing too. You know, you, you brought up the other elephant in the room. If Kamara's out, I don't love the Saints offense at all. And I really just am afraid I, Here's the thing is I feel like this game is going to be like 17 to 10. And it's like, I just, if Kamara is not in the game, I feel like the 10 points is definitely going to be the Saints because I just don't see how they can score that many points on Philly. I mean, the Broncos, I know that game flipped with that fumble that was returned, but I mean, if their offense couldn't score that many against Philly, I don't have that much confidence that Trevor Simeon without any weapons and without Kamara can score more than 13 against Philadelphia on the road. Wait, so can I can I just they've lost to like some bad fucking teams. Oh, yeah. Like like they lost to the Panthers. They lost to the Giants. They lost to the Falcons. Falcons. Yep. They lost like what what makes you think that this team all of a sudden is going to show up in Philly and they're going to be like ready to go with Trevor fucking Simeon? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to say that the Saints aren't good. They're not great, though. They're not a great team. They're five and four. They beat. Oh, guess what? They beat the Bucks, who just laid an egg against the fucking football team. So, like, they're, they're big wins. And I they're familiar they, with them, too. Did they, they not the beat your Patriots? Yeah, but that was uh, – yes. And I thought that that game was an odd game. They dominated the game. But, again, that was early Pats. I don't think the Pats were, like – I don't think they were where they were comfortably with what they wanted to do. And I think, again – but, again, that's where I don't think Sean Payton's, like, that much of an advantage in this game. I think – and, again, I think Vegas is telling you something here uh, with this line. And it's, like, they still think that somehow – I couldn't agree know, more. Outdoors. It, the the, the Vegas factor – yeah, you'd think that the Saints would be favored almost in this game if they're as good as some people think. Yeah, like that's like, why I'm taking them. I'm taking a point one and a half yeah. plus a money line here. This is an outright win for the Saints. This is, and again, I'm not saying like, that is the pick that I probably would have gone with a couple weeks ago. I'm just focused on Vegas. Vegas is trying to tell us something here, and that is the fact that maybe to Coulter's point, if you have two running backs. In the backfield, one of them's your quarterback, one of them's a running back. You can do some things against a team, even if they're good at, at stopping the run. And they're horrible at stopping the pass. So Jalen Hurts could throw the ball. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be like a fucking clown show out there with how open guys are gonna be because they don't cover anybody. Like they, I mean, they just don't. It's like a tradition. Uh, they just don't cover people. But the Saints I, don't think, cover hey, people. The Slim Reaper has been running wild the last couple of weeks. I think. I think this Philly team might not be that bad. Their defense is the thing I, I'm always worried about. But again, they're going up against this tapioca offense. If Kamara's in there, yeah, they're fine. But like Trevor Simeon is not good. I mean, again, he's just not good. 
Like again, when you're like worrying, like man, I wish we had James Winston back. You know that there's something wrong with it. See, I don't think they are worrying that. I think Sean Payton is thinking that he can actually do more with the game manager, Trevor Simeon, than he can with James taking shots and being his crazy self. No, I mean I don't think so, but we'll see. Well, I mean it's going to be interesting. Trevor Simeon's Trevor Simeon's terrible. It's going to be interesting. Uh, okay, let's look at. Is there any uh, wonky lines? Is there any games that we're looking at saying what the hell is this line about? I think the two square picks of the week, in my opinion, are Cincinnati minus one and a half, LA minus four and a half. Neither, ne- every line just, it's just, you look at that, and you're like, why wouldn't I take that? Like, but again, I think we talked about this. Cincinnati and LA may both be frauds. And I just don't know. Like, those are the two games that I think I had this, the largest struggle with of where to land. And then obviously the KC Dallas game is a great line. That's just like, who, what team is going to show up? Like, yeah. you know, just spin the fucking, you know, f- figure it out. Like, which one are you going to get? Like w- one of these two teams um, is going to, sh- and if both good teams show up, it's going to be a lot of fun. Kind of like that Tampa Dallas game early in the year. I hope so. That game, everyone's saying Mahomes is broken. Mahomes is broken. Now he's fixed. I mean, the guy had 20 touchdowns going into the game last week. He's got 25 now. I mean, let's be honest. He was never really broken. He just wasn't. <laughs> Super Mahomes, you know? I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. he was uh, Clark Kent. He wasn't Superman, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. And I think they got back They got back to doing stuff that they're good at. Yeah. They, their screen game was strong. They were able to get the running back out of the backfield. I mean, he made a crazy catch. Uh, so <laughs> Mahomes got bailed out a couple times. But they started to do some things where it wasn't just, oh, my God, Tyree Kill's not open. What the fuck do I do now? And so I think as long as they can get their offense there, because people can take away Kelsey. And I think we've seen that this year. The teams are like, fine, we're going to take away Kelsey. We're going to take away Hill. You beat us with whatever else you got out here, Patty. And your offensive line is not good enough to hold up for very long. So you better do it quickly. And I think they did. I thought the offensive line played better. A lot of this to me starts with that. Like if their offensive line plays well, I think, and again, that's like an easy football like thing to say, but like their offensive line was not good. And I think, he just isn't maybe as accurate sometimes on the run as like, you know, unless Hills wide opens. And, and I think we talked about it too. I think they're missing, uh, you know, they've tried to fill that third wide receiver or fourth, like second, second, third wide receiver hole. They just haven't been able to do it. Hardman hasn't been able to get the job done. I mean, fucking Josh Gordon. Are you serious? Like what the, why even bring that guy in? Like, yeah, he's, and he's, a, he's nowhere to be found. Um, Jarek McKinnon stinks. Like I, I like there's just been, They've gotten back to like a little bit of what they're good at. Is Hilaire back this week too? I think he might be back. I think he's um, yeah. practicing. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably so a game time decision. If I, if I could give the listeners a little uh, teaser just for the afternoon in case their 1 p.m. bets go to shit. I like Cowboys teased up to – this is a six-and-a-half point teaser. Dallas and Seattle both are dogs. I like them both teased to nine. And I also like the Raiders and Bengals – over so you're getting that at 43 if you tease it down from 49 and a half so you root you root for a shootout in the desert and then you root for two close games in seattle and kansas city which i think we're going to get i think you get seattle in a must-win spot seasons on the line with one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl getting points at home i there's no way they get blown out by nine points in that game i don't think unless what I've been saying all year long that Pete Carroll and, and Seattle and company are headed for divorce, which if that's the case, he might get fired on Monday if they lose by more than nine points. Cause that's a bad one. And I don't see there's a world where Dak Prescott doesn't find the back door against that horrible chiefs defense, or they just completely dominate them. So I love those sides. I'm glad you brought this up. I got a little teaser already locked in myself. Let me tell you what I got here. A six point teaser. I took the green Bay Packers 
Okay, and I jumped them. So now they're getting plus three and a half. I took the Arizona Cardinals, jumped it. And they're getting plus three and a half. And then I sprinkled in a couple over-unders here. So the Bengals and the Raiders game, that game was uh, 49. I sprinkled that down to 43. I see that's got some points in it. And uh, this one is a little, I'm a little nervous about. But if Kamara's back, it's a lock. I teased down the Saints and the Eagles uh, down to 38 for the over. So, you know, feel like it's, a, you know, so you, feel great. you think the Eagles game is going over. You would think, but, uh, you know, you guys brought up some good points about this. What'd you call it? He was a tapioca pudding offense. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, they'll find their stride, I guess, but they haven't put up a ton of points. And I, but I don't think the Philly defense is great. I do think Philly will score some points. So I like that over. Um, I like both those teasers. I think, I think you got to shot both ways. I, I do think the afternoon slate, um, if you look at those three games, if you can somehow find a way to go two and one in those games, I tip my cap because those are three of the hardest lines. And again, they're tight lines, two and a half, both plays in the chiefs in the Arizona game. And then one and a half in the, in the Cincy game. But those, those three games, if you're sharp, you can get those congrats. Cause it's going to be, those games are going to be interesting. Yep. And uh, I'm officially going to be signing off now as Mr. 12 and two ATS. So just going to, you know, put that out there for you boys. Hey, keep, keep it going. I mean, I hope, hopefully you can uh, keep riding that wave. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, I don't want to get your picks to fade you, as, you know, but at the same time, um, you're talking crazy about uh, the saints. So I'm, 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 I'm excited. You know, the rule we always said, it's a stolen line, but don't be afraid to fade yourself. I mean, I'm getting, feeling those vibes pretty big right now. I will say no. I jumped from 24th, like I said, to 16th in a pool here. So major jump last week and all of a sudden i'm what they would call in the hunt as our playoff teams would say oh guys you and i are tied i just checked yeah We're I, in the hunt. Up I was so bad through that four week stretch <laughs> but right, you, you know what we are in the hunt there's still yeah. time we're I'm two picks back of being in the 10th position. Hughes is in a dominant spot right now he's out front uh he's at 86 he's in second place four back you're looking good, Hughes. You're kind of front running. We're kind of trickling up the ladder here. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, it's been I've been a, a lean couple weeks, but I'm hoping. Well, best of luck, boys. So, listeners, get some wins. That is episode number one nineteen in the books. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.